Hi, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Odyssey House Journals. I'm Randall Carlyle. My guest co-host is Kim Smart. Hello, Kim. Hi, it's good to be here. First time around. Yeah. Uh, and, and my guest today is Michael Hodges. Uh, Thank you. Welcome. Uh, I've, I've worked in uh, TV news for 40 years. You're a creative writer. And when you hear Michael's story, I don't think I could have written something like this and had it be believable mm. because it's such a crazy story. Uh, and, and I'm glad you decided to come and share it, Michael. I'm, Thank I'm you. Very, very and, and, and I'll start, and maybe we should call this, it's never too late to find recovery, right? That's right. So, That's right. Never too late. That's Michael, good. believe it or not, started using meth at the age of eight, which is, I mean... I told you that earlier. It's Kim. unbelievable to me. You it's looked like, at me like, how do you how do you find meth when you're eight years well, old? Well, it was easy for him. Yeah. So I uh, I ended up my mother dropped me off at my real dad Michael Prientos, and he was a hell's angel in San Bernardino, California. So with the motorcycle organization, there it's pretty readily. So mm. and and how did you? And, and, how did your dad introduce you to meth, saying, here, son? He didn't. He just told everybody in the club, try, teach him or whatever is our world, you know what I mean? And that's their world, drugs, guns, motorcycles. So Violence. Violence. Yeah. What did you think at the, I'm, I'm trying to. I was scared. What? I was scared to death. But, I mean, I thought I was going to Disneyland, too, so, yeah. So your mom told you you were going to Disneyland, Disneyland and drops you off at a yeah. Hell's Angels. See what I'm saying? You couldn't write this kind <laughs> of stuff. I know it. Uh, yeah. Two weeks after my eighth birthday, I thought I was going to Disneyland, and I didn't. I went to San Bernardino, California. So, And then she took, well, first she took me over to Riverside, California to meet my dad's family, and none of them were around. And so then she just dropped me off right to him. So, what, what And he said... I don't have time for a kid, so they put me inside the, the clubhouse, and that was the first time I drank a beer and the first time I did a line of speed. So, what, what, did, what was it like at eight? Scary. I mean, scary because I was confused, and the, the meth, the, the crank makes you jittery and makes you nervous, makes you scared. So, I was scared. I was more scared than I was when I walked up in there. So, yeah. Did you feel pressure to keep using it around I did. them? I did, because that's, that's a lifestyle and a way with them. So, And then from there, I was by the time I was 13, I was cooking. I was addicted to it. By the time I was 15, my real dad, Michael Brianzo, was, he was executed, So, and we don't know who did it. So then I came back to Utah and tried to get my life together and I still was using, I couldn't get away from, from everybody. If anybody ever says that with meth, you can, you know, recover just until this time, you, yeah, you just, you can't, it's just as powerful as heroin is. It's just as powerful as opiates is, you know what I mean? Because yeah, mm -hmm. people say, well, I come off it and I sleep a few days, I eat and then I, I get right back on it. But it's not that you you're constantly craving it. I mean, I'm still I'm 358 days today, and I'm still I still have to worry about you know 
if I want to go out there and use or do anything like that. So it's a struggle every every minute of every day. I don't I don't do this one day at a time. I do this every minute at a time, you know. And so I'm thinking when I hit that 365 mark and I start dancing in the front yard of Odyssey House, then <laughs> that'll be the day when I can start doing day by day. So, you know, because that'll, that'll give me a pretty good start to my foundation of staying clean. So. And, and this has been your first period yep. of sobriety. The longest time prior to was 32 days, and that was because I was in solitary confinement, and that's best I could do. So, You, uh, Kim, had a son who passed away from an overdose, and I, I bring that up because... I just had a son pass away. Yeah. Can you last relate that? It was recent. Oh, Tuesday. recently. Last Tuesday. So it's, I think it's helping me in my recovery because I really think that he, I mean, I don't know, he did it with a needle. And I'm, I'm, I've always been, even though I did the drugs, I was against intravenously using because of, you know, what the rules that I learned of, you know, around my dad and stuff. It was you, you can't do intravenously or you're dirty and that ends it so so he 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 did it with a needle and you know for 32 years I thought that kid was dead anyway and he found me when I got out of federal prison last year on the 20th of January in February he found me and he was homeless and using and stuff like that and I should have at that point tried to clean up with him tried to help him but I didn't do it I continued to ride motorcycles, continued to sell drugs, continue. And I, I used to say with the fentanyl that going around, I used to make a comment of as long as somebody pays me my money, I really don't care if they overdose or not. And now I had a son that did. So, yeah. so I, and, and, and I've heard you talk before about a guilt factor there because you were doing the same thing. What? Uh, and probably some people may have died from I'm what sure, you were selling sure them, many, and, many, and then your son. I'm sure many did, Randall, and that's the sad part about it, because, you know, I was looking this morning on the statistics, me and Bev was, about all the the uh, people who's overdosed on fentanyl just in the last year and a half, and that would have been the times that I was out. And in Utah, they've had more than the state of California, and that really bothered me, because... That's why I'd bring it out of is out of California, and you know, I kind of really enjoyed being in Oregon because it was. I I thought I was going to get away from everybody in Utah that I was running with and get out away from California, but I ended up hooking up with all the same wrong people in Oregon too. So, and my wife's given me that tough love. Tara's given me that tough love. She's a. I don't get to go home to Oregon until, you know, I'm. I'm recovering and I'm doing it right and and she she always wishes me the best and tells me how proud of me she is and but in all in all she knows that until I'm getting this right she doesn't want me around Randall so and neither do my adopted kids my stepkids so they all run a clean life and they they should you know they they should have that right to tell me that you know I need to clean up for their mom so Kim, I was talking to you, Kim, about how long your son, the longest period of sobriety uh, he had. Yeah, I think it was about 40 days. And he, 
I mean, that's once he once he really fell down into the depths of heroin, and he he did he did treatment when he was a high schooler, mm-hmm. and then when he was 25, he went into treatment, and from then to 28, he was in eight programs, mm-hmm. and he would get out and it just wouldn't last long. He'd just slip back so quickly. And he wanted, I mean, he willingly went to every single treatment program. It just shows the power of the drug, I think. See, and I willingly didn't. I'll be triple, I went to Odyssey House and for the first 38 or 40 days, I hated everybody. I hated everything about it. I hated my federal probation officer. I hated the federal drug, but I gotta tell you now, I go, to drug court on Monday from federal, and I'm happy. I'm, I see a new light. I quit banging my head against the brick wall, and you know, Odyssey. People can say anything about it, but it is a life-saving place if you if you want it. Yeah. It's just some aren't ready for it yet. Some aren't ready to do it. But I see I see Odyssey. Everybody always says, "Well, I'm going to go to this program that I can do that." or I can do this, or I can do that. And if you're doing that, if you're program shopping, all you're gonna do, you're just looking to get out of your law, your your legal problems, and then you're gonna go right back to the thing. If I would've went back to, to prison or stayed in jail a little longer and came back out on probation right now, I wouldn't be sitting here with 350 or 358 days clean. I would be back out there using. So. I, I don't know if people are aware, but at, at treatment facilities, it's not a lockdown deal. You, not, you go you're, in, you're able and to if leave. you get frustrated and you want you to leave, can you leave. walk you out. You can walk out. You walk out the front door. People <clears throat> walk out the front door. They run out the front door. They try and <laughs> climb out the window, try and sneak out. And there is no reason to. It's not. You're not locked down. You're not. And they don't call the cops and say, hey, he's walking down the driveway. You know, they... They let, they inform whoever, if you're on there through court probation stuff, they inform them. They don't come chasing you with lights and sirens blaring. And you know, that's the biggest misconsumption about Odyssey House is people believe that you're in lockdown and if you walk out that door, you're being arrested right then. You know, it's not true. And the thing about it is with Odyssey House, there are a lot of people there who if you ask and you ask for a check-in, you ask for help, they're there for you. They really are. It's a client-ran base, as everybody knows, mm-hmm. what you've talked about. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing about it is you have 80, in my house, I have 83 other peers. If I can't find somebody to talk to about <laughs> what I'm having a problem with, I definitely ain't opening up. Yeah. And plus you have this staff, so. How did you, how did you, if, if you said you hated it for how many days? Over a month. I, I, I packed my bags and said I was going locker, leaving without clinical ad, ad, advice. And I packed a bag, and then I slept on it. I got up in the morning, and I said, and I was so angry. And But I was done with the emotions. I was done with the anger emotion. I was done with everything. And, you know, my slogan that everybody says around there is, watch. He'll get mad and he'll sleep on it, and tomorrow morning he'll come and be the happy old man that he's supposed to be. So, and it's good because a lot of them around there call me OG. They, some of them listen to the advice. They take the mentorship. Others of them, they they're not into the the, the mentorship or anything of it. But some right. of them are there just for the legal. And you know what? If it keeps them alive for that ninety days or six months, it's like me and Kim will say, if it kept our kid alive another 30, 60, 90, 120 days, 
that's 120 yeah. days we have with them. Yeah. So, has that ever gone through your mind? What I mean, about if if he would have just stuck with it? Oh well, too many times, and I kept I kept. He was in Tucson, Arizona, and he was in. He he got out of the six month program and and was living alone in a trailer park in a decrepit trailer that I really was and I kept saying come back here go to Odyssey House you know there's so many resources here that you didn't know about when you were here before and he kept saying well I bought this place I have a lease on the land you know this pad I can't leave I can't leave and it's like yes you can just and he was it was strange he was so worried about his credit rating that he that he wouldn't want come back and get the help he needed but you know inside maybe it was like yeah i don't really want to, I don't want to. but yeah. yeah i mean yeah. but you can't go there no. you, you can't do that as a parent or anybody no. any anyone no, you, you, you have know. to you have to pretty much stand kim like that and say you know it's kind of like with me if my wife would have lost me to the same thing as my kid you know because now everything is cut with fentanyl and xylene they don't they, they don't pick and choose what drug they want to people that overdose and die on. So, and that's, I always tell somebody when they go to walk out that door of Odyssey House, I say, you know, maybe could you promise me for the first three days you won't go out and get high, but they, they will, they'll go out, they'll go get loaded. And if they come back, I'm even happier on it. You know, but back. if they continue to do it over and over, I think they're not quite ready for it yet. And maybe their situation, somebody needs to find out what's really going on with them because everybody, I don't think you wake up like I did. I didn't just at eight and a half go, I, I think I'm gonna be a drug addict. Nobody wakes up and wants to be, it usually turns into something. Mine came from a lot of abuse. I mean, there was a lot of abuse and a lot of neglect around the house. Horrible and rejection and then, too. And then there was when I was dropped off, when I came back after he was killed, there was I mean, to this day, I don't speak to any family, so I don't know any of them are. I don't care to. I, it's just that it's not what I want. I, I have my wife, and I have my, my new children and my grandchildren, and they're, they're a whole world to me because they love me for me, and they're ready for me to come home as the new person. And it really is a new person because, like I told, like Randall says, he said, I can't believe you're so bitter and hateful. If you could have done a podcast three months ago, three and a half months ago, with me sitting in here, the F word and everything else and the hatefulness of Odyssey House and why I had to be there, to today was just amazing. Amazing. I, I look at myself in the mirror, truthfully, Randall, and I say, what'd you do with Michael? Where's Mikey at? And then I say it back to it, and I say, I know where he's at. He's being a good, clean person now. Well, what flip? I mean, it's yeah. A, what was the? Was there a, a switch? switch. <laughs> it's a switch. Yeah. It really was, truthfully, because uh, it was really bad. I, I I blew up and I was angry. They I was off my medication, my bipolar, and my. Uh, uh, they've actually it's moved to borderline personality disorder, and uh, they've diagnosed the, the cancer back in my esophagus and stomach has come back in stage three. So, I went to the doctor and I. That morning I was really angry and I said, you know what? And I'd slept on it the night before. And I said, I really don't care. I didn't go camping because bad things happened camping when I was a kid. And so I went up and I went to have physical therapy on my foot. And it was funny because 
somebody called and talked to me from camping and said, you know, we really wish you wouldn't go anywhere or do anything because till we get back and make a decision. I was like, yeah, whatever, okay. And I got mad and it was like I was sitting and my physical therapist was helping me with my foot from the motorcycle accident. And her and her little assistant said, we think you should stay, you know. You're doing so good and you know what? We'd both support, we think we think it'd be good, Michael. You, I think you'd be a good person to help people there. And I said, you guys just don't know, okay? And they was like, okay. And about that time, somebody brought the cordless phone from the front desk over to me, and it happened to be my wife. And for some reason, she found out I was at physical therapy, and they said, can you talk to her? And I guess Bev and them had told her that I was up at physical therapy and I was going to leave. Bev had yelled at me because she was there at the center. Everybody else was camping. And I said, fine, dear. You know what? I'll go back and I'll try and be, be better. Well, I started coming back, and Josh, that is in Jets with, he says, you know, why don't you go Jets? And I said, yeah, me? And he said, yeah, you might. And I said, really? He goes, me and Daniel's been talking about it, the, the director of the, the right. Mill Creek. Said, we've been talking about it. And I said, okay. So we get on the tracks and we ride back to the tracks. And as we walk up the driveway at Mill Creek, the house is in chaos. People are going locker. Things are, staff don't know how to stop them. Everything's just, there's just screaming and going on. People just mad at this and mad at that and mad at this. And for some reason, we were supposed to leave and take these girls to Intermount or to Sugar House U of U to the emergency and the girl said we can wait a minute let 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 OG go in and talk to these three people and I said what makes you think I'm the authority of it and at that point Randall I walked in the door and the three girls by the time I calmed them down and talked to staff about what was going on and had everything going on everybody just said where did the old OG go and I stood and I thought holy crap well, it just happened because I used all the advice that everybody was giving me to them. And, you know, all three of the girls said, okay, we'll sleep on it. I said, that'd be great. Just do it in the morning. We went up to the, the medical center to take them. And the two girls that were sitting there said, you know, I don't think we could walk away from here now, Mike, because just what you said in that, that corridor amazed us. And I said, I know, amazed me too. And that was the first time I walked into the bathroom and I stood in the University of Utah Instacare up in Sugar House and I looked in the mirror and I thought, you know what, you are a lot better person. You are a whole lot better person. You will be a whole lot better person for the rest of your life. So you know what, on Thursday, go to the Jets meeting, start working to do, get towards this. And I'll tell you, when I became a Jet, that was my... It's probably one of the prideful things in my life that I will always hold dear. And so everybody says, wow, look at him. He completely changed and everything to be a Jet. And I said, it's not just to be a Jet, Randall. It's to graduate from Odyssey House and actually work there and be able to try and give and keep people from walking out that door. So. Isn't that amazing? Just for, for because, I mean, I have goosebumps in your story. <laughs> it, was, it was just a switch. You know? Jets yeah. is junior yeah. executive training. It's yeah. sort of the elite of the elite 
of people who are in residential care uh, at Odyssey, and, and they, they're nominated internally uh, by other peers in the program, and then everybody votes on them, uh, and, and, and then they have a lot, a fair amount more freedom than some other clients that they can go out and, and outreach programs or, or come down and do a podcast, things like that. And uh, then do they get training? We do. Because yeah. that, that going out on the outreach and everything, the training is. And then when we have our, our weekly meeting with Randall and Jason, it, it gives you that insight to go. I mean, me and Jason had probably two and a half hour talk on Saturday at the, really? the Davis County Recovery Days. And it was really neat because I didn't realize the things that he was looking at. And when I started mentioning the things that I was like, well, Let's just not vote for people into jets just because they do the proposal. Let's see what their actual, what they want to do with it. If they want to, because remember, I went to, went to three outreaches and the, the jets meeting before I was even voted in, and it was really neat because I got to tell you to work with Jen Harris. That lady is amazing. She is a superwoman, and to work with Jason Miller, he's another one. To work, come on the podcast. Doing the family group, support group last night, Randall, I got to tell you, it touched my heart. It made me, I was on top of the world last night. There was nothing could bring me down. I mean, we even had chaos in the house over taking, picking some girls up from the Instacare that was sick. That's the same as when I turned it around. In the East House, we have an overflow house that was an old United Way house. And so 14 of us or 15 of us males go over there and that's where we sleep at night. And so with me, when they let me go over there, it was like I get to come to Mill Creek, the other one, uh, 4th East, it's like coming to a job. And so it's kind of like training me already because all the staff, they're just like, just go get Hodges, go get Hodges, go get Hodges. It's like really funny, you know what I mean? I mean, even Daniel, he's like, go get Hodges, he can do it. Go ask him, he can do it. And, you know, if you would have asked him that, you know, 50 <laughs> days ago, they would have said, don't even go talk to him. He's hateful. He's angry. <laughs> you know. You know what I I'm observing. Yeah. You're you're you know you faced a lot of rejection when you were younger, uh, and people were basically telling you you're a piece of shit. Yep. Uh, and and you and you I, went I, through I, life I, believing I, that, I, I, I and now into now you're you're you've got this sense of yep. pride, and 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 you like yourself. I love myself. Okay. Well. <laughs> yeah, and you know the the good thing is. My wife loves me too, even more, because you know, when she writes in a card of that, if I seen myself through her eyes, instead of being so negative, and when I was, because even back, she always says, even back when you were in federal prison and you were using, you still was an angel, Michael. But you know what? You was just a hateful one, and now a you're angel. a whole different person, and it makes me feel so good. And because she said. It, when you're sober, if you set your mind to it, you pretty much can do everything. Because, you know, I tried to do an intensive outpatient, but that's why I say try. Because last year, my other probation officer said, you need to do this. And I said, okay, I'll do it well. I found ways to to pass the UA. I found everything because it was IOP. I... Gave them hell. I really gave them hell. I mean, they. I would show up late. I would, you know, they'd tell me I needed an assignment. And I was like, yeah, okay, look, I'm clean. And they're like, 
are you really? And I was like, yeah. And then one day they said, okay, you're not doing this at Valley Behavioral and you're gonna be watched to UA. And that was the dirtiest, started showing that I was yeah. having it masked and having it cleaned up because you can try and beat it all, but I wasn't ready for it at that point. Mm -hmm. So when I went on the run, it was like, that's when I decided to give them the run for their money. And you know, my PO, he knew, because I straight told him, I said, catch me if you can. And now my PO, Greg Peterson, is he's wonderful. I mean, I he's just went guy. to drug court on Monday, and I'll tell you, they uh, they swear by Odyssey House. They really do, and it's, it's funny, because they told me I was going to Epic, Valley Behavioral, Epic, and they put me in Odyssey, and you know, I was like, ooh. But now I look at it as a blessing. It really was a blessing, because I didn't realize how much Odyssey really does change people's lives. And if you want it and you go for it, you can do, I mean, amazing things. I'm, I'm proof of it. So, and folks, and we it, didn't pay him to say that either, no, so. At 57 years old, I mean, I, I probably could have said, no, you know, I, I want to pick a different one or I want to do this, I want to do that. They, I mean, they told me they were going to send me to just the men's and I said, I don't want to go to a mental health one because I know I have the personality disorders, but I knew I needed to work on them too, Randall. If I didn't, then how was I going to come out because I self-medicated half my life, you know? Almost all my life, but that was the one thing my wife always did. She always, no matter how I was out running or gunning, she made sure that I was taking my medication because without it, I'm a, a, a different different person. You well, know? I'm glad we have you here as this person. Yeah, <laughs> well, this was the person. Like I said, it would have been fun, though, Randall, to see <laughs> me hit the first and go, Before oh, and my after. goodness, yeah, because, you know, I mean, you thought Bev was a handful. I mean... Just like she said to me, she said, I was an excellent client compared to you, Mr. Hodges. And she, she, I mean, I just love the staff there at Milk Creek. I know there's good staff at the other ones. I just haven't been there, but I love the staff there, you know. It's, it's so funny because each of them have their own little personality sure. and their own thing. And so, and it's really neat because they, they think so highly of me now. And I mean, they thought highly of me that they, they just didn't think I was going to get it, Randall. Nobody did. I mean... You talk to Greg Peterson, he'll tell you, I had one foot out the door at administrations yeah. and the other one in there going, should I stay or should I go? Yeah. You know, I think they probably had bets, him and the judge <laughs> and others, to probably see if I really was going to. Believe it or not, we're out yeah. of time. I appreciate okay. you coming in, and thank goodness you've made the turnaround, and you've yes. got a great future. God, it's know. inspiring. Well, it really is. You'll see, me up, you'll see me up here. Could you have written a story like this? Not believably. No, I, I <laughs> couldn't we'll have, have to delivered one on TV either, yeah. but it's all real. Uh, yeah, thank you very real. much, Michael. Thank you, Randall. Yeah, thank you for watching another edition of Odyssey House Journals.